Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another Gold Derby Slugfest. This time we're going to be talking about what just won at the Writers Guild Awards and the Producers Guild Awards. Um, not a lot of surprises, but we'll talk about them anyway and what it means for the Oscars. I'm Marcus James Dixon. I'm here with Zach Laws, Daniel Montgomery. And Daniel, let's go to you first. Let's talk about WGA because that happened first. So we had Promising Young Woman win original and we had Borat when adapted. A lot of people didn't see the Borat when coming. Did you? I didn't. I thought like after the Oscar, like whenever the Oscar nominations happen, I always go back to uh, <clears throat> like my, uh, you know, the guilds, whenever the guilds happen, I always look at what the Oscar nominees are and, and go back to the guilds and move things up and down. And since One Night in Miami and Borat had gotten into adapted screenplay at the Oscars, I thought, okay, it's probably one of those. And of those, this has got to be the place where they give it to One Night in Miami, because mm -hmm. Borat seems like such an odd film, especially because it's so largely improvised. Um, so no, I didn't. I didn't have that winning. Um, I I do think that helps. I don't think that helps it win the Oscar because uh, the father wasn't eligible at the Writers Guild, and Nomadland wasn't eligible at the Writers Guild. I think it's still that the two-way race there. Uh, but I think it probably helps like the writer's branch of the Academy might be voting for Maria Bakalova. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, that one, that one surprised me more. Um, you know, of course you two can gloat cause you both predicted both screenplay winners correctly. And I both, I got them both wrong. So I was predicting one night <laughs> and trial of the Chicago seven, even though that one's less surprising. Cause I knew that was, that could go either way between Aaron Sorkin and Emerald Fennel. Um, so, so yeah, I, I do think, the Borat one was surprising, promising a woman less so in hindsight. Uh, I, I do think that that makes promising a woman the best screenplay Oscar winner. I don't think it makes Borat the best screenplay Oscar winner. Right. So Zach, did you want to gloat? Uh, how did you get both right, first of all? Yeah, I'll gloat. Um, <laughs> and uh, well, okay. So I, the reason I went with Borat was because it you know, even though One Night in Miami felt like a more kind of traditional winner, um, and, and they're both up at the Oscars as well as The White Tiger. Those were the three and adapted that were uh, able to translate from the Guild to the Academy. It felt like Borat, with the Golden Globe win uh, for Best Comedy Film, with the Maria Bakalova nomination and Supporting Actress and, and her continuing to ascend in our odds it felt like borat had more wind beneath its sails than one night in miami did which you know for all intents and purposes really disappointed in the oscar race by by not being nominated for picture or director you know nominations that a lot of people assumed it would get so it felt like the buzz for that had died down and the buzz for borat which you know is also not nominated for best picture but Kind of feels like it was maybe a ninth place um, based on all the- It got the Producers Guild nomination. I mean, that too, right? Like, um, it just kind of felt like it, they would be more inclined to reward that. And I know it, it feels like an odd winner because of how highly improvised it was. But, you know, remember, this is the same uh, branch that gave, uh, this is the same guild, I should say, that gave an award to uh, Michael Moore for Bowling for Columbine uh, back in 2002. So they're not, they're not disinclined from making choices that may feel odd to us because we say, well, where's the writing there? But, you know, there's, there is screenwriting in Borat just like there's screenwriting in Bowling for Columbine, right? Um, mm -hmm. it's, it's different from what 
we typically think of, but if that doesn't mean that writers aren't going to appreciate that. So that wasn't a, a surprise to me, but I think it, I, I can understand why it was surprising just because it is such a non-traditional pick. Um, right. As far as original goes, look, I mean, there's just been this narrative all season long about Emerald Fennel and Chloe Zhao. The fact that these two women have made history in the best director category, the fact that their films are such major contenders. And I've been feeling for a long time that because Emerald's not going to win director over Chloe Zhao, screenplay feels like a really good place to reward her achievement. Um, we often look at the screenplay categories as sort of a, a consolation best director prize, right? You know, you're not going to win that one, but you are going to win, you're going to win something. Uh, Sophia Coppola comes to mind, like one of the few women to win for screenwriting this century. Um, Jordan Peele. Also. Jordan Peele, exactly. Uh, yeah. So, Spike Lee for uh, Black Lantern. Exactly. Taika, there's so many examples of this. Um, and while I don't think that Borat's going to translate into uh, the Oscar winner because of uh, the factor of Nomadland and The Father, I do think that this if anybody's having trouble predicting best original screenplay, I think that the Guild is a really good indication that they're going to go with Emerald Fennel for Promising Young Woman, which might end up being, I know a lot of us are thinking Carrie Mulligan's going to win Best Actress, but in all seriousness, this could be the only place that Promising Young Woman gets rewarded with something, yeah. right? So we have, to, we have to keep that in mind as we're making our predictions. Uh, a little bit later, we'll talk about the experts' predictions for Best Picture, and one of them thinks Promising is winning Best Picture. So there's a little teaser for later. Um, so for Adapted, after Borat won, I did move it up in my Oscar predictions to number two, but really, two through five don't matter. I think we all know Chloe's winning for Adapted Screenplay for no Nomadland, which was not eligible at the Writers Guild, which is why it didn't win over there and then first for original i do agree with everything you said about promising young woman winning there um second place i have minari but i i it's it, that's also a tough category in that what what's in second like if if emerald loses original what do you guys think would win maybe aaron sorkin for trial i think aaron sorkin still has a shot but right now i would say <clears throat> if uh if Minari is your number two for picture, then it's also a potential surprise for screenplay for all the same reasons that uh, that Emerald Fennel would be. Uh, mm. I, I believe Minari was also ineligible at the Writers Guild Awards. So it was. See that that could be that could be like a stealth contender, uh, just because we didn't see how that would compare to the other two. Uh, unlike in Adapted, where you know neither of the 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 perceived front runners, the father or Nomadland were even in the running. Now it looks like, oh, well, now it's going to be Promising Young Woman. We haven't seen Minari in, in a head-to-head -head for, uh, for the industry votes uh, at the Oscars yet. So I, if that film goes on to win Best Picture, I think you see it first with a screenplay surprise. I, I do think that you know, in terms of the adapted screenplay race, it is important to think about how the father is a stealth contender there. Um, it, it's funny because we haven't seen Nomadland and the father go up against each other in a screenplay race yet, the way that we have seen you know, mm. uh, Promising Young Woman and Trials of, uh, 
trial of the Chicago seven go up against each other. Uh, they're going to be competing against each other at BAFTA, where I think the father could actually win that. Um, I, I feel like there's some potential for an upset just because um, Chloe is so far out in the head for best director. People, I, I think you might as well engrave her name on the statuette for that by yeah, now, right? Exactly. So sc- adapted screenplay might be the place to reward the father which is a more popular movie at the Academy than a lot of people thought it was going to be. Um, if it's not going to win Best Actor for Anthony Hopkins, if Olivia Colm is not going to win Supporting Actress, screenplay feels like an appropriate place to reward that movie. So I'm really interested to see what happens at BAFTA when they go up, uh, up against each other head to head. I wouldn't count that out uh, as being a surprise Oscar winner. Yeah, I would say that Nomadland is safer for director than it is for screenplay. I think mm-hmm. the father is really close. And also, yeah. like, keep in mind that, like, Nomadland is such a directorial movie, mm-hmm. right? It's so much about the visual images and so much of it is about um, just, like, the way that the camera picks up Frances McDormand's facial expressions and, you know, captures her in these vast landscapes Whereas The Father is a much more like writerly film, you know, it's much more about the dialogue and it's much more about the ways in which it, it plays with time and, and, and uh, you know, it, it, it could really be something that, that uh, we need to look out for. Hmm. And, you know, The Father was adapted from a play just like When I in Miami, but the father felt way more cinematic, like I was watching a movie as opposed to One Night in Miami, which was more like a play on the big screen. Yeah. And I think voters probably thought that as well, since it got a Best Picture nomination um, and nominations for things like editing and production design, right? Which usually these like talky, stagey movies don't, don't get tech nominations. Well, that was the WGA. And then a few days later was the PGA. We had Nomadland, of course, win Best Picture there. And Zach, you were watching the virtual ceremony, right? I'm curious, yeah. what, what was that like? Because the average public, Daniel and I, couldn't watch it. So was there, it was virtual presenters, All was everything Zoom? Pretty much. I mean, it was sort of, um, it was the same length as the WGA, but half the categories. So there was actually like room to breathe. Um, the WGA said pre-taped acceptance speeches and played them as the winners were announced live. Um, mm. I, I think that the PGA did the same thing, but don't quote me on that. Um, I, I think it was a lot, it, it was for all intents and purposes, a live program with um, people zooming in and giving their acceptance speeches. I think the acceptance speeches were live because some people got played off. So. <laughs> oh, there you go. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it, what's so weird about this because I think we've all gone to Guild Awards before. Um, you can really feel the energy in the room for certain contenders. And that's a way that we determine what we're gonna predict to win, right? Um, so like you don't get that sense of you know, yay, Nomadland won, or, oh, geez, Nomadland won again, you know, can't believe this. Um, so it's it's kind of hard to gauge in that sense. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it was interesting to watch, you know, they, they tried to do a lot of the same kinds of things of having a, a person from each film present clips and talk about the nominees and um, they presented achievement, lifetime achievement awards. And, you know, they, they did a, you know, they did a good deal of, uh, of making up for the oddities of, of virtual ceremonies. Well, it was around this time a few years ago that La La Land kept winning everything. And you could feel this backlash growing of La La Land again. Like, is there anything else that could win best picture? I'm not feeling that this year for Nomadland. I, yes, you're right. It keeps winning everything except for WGA where it wasn't eligible, but I'm not feeling this anger toward, or, or this jealousy toward Nomadland just, you know, towering over all these other films. Um, do you guys feel that at all? Or do you think that th with this PGA win, in addition to everything else, that it's it's the front runner to win the Oscar and nothing else can beat it? Daniel? Um, it's a little hard to tell again, because things are virtual. So we're not in the rooms where these things are happening um, <clears throat> to, to hear like the cheers or the groans. Um, and even when they're televised, a lot of times they're virtual. So there's not like a big crowd of people in a room to, to gauge a reaction of. It's, so it's a little like there could be something brewing for all we know uh, of, of, of people like, you know, you know, several thousand Oscar members, Academy members who are going to vote for the winners looking, you know, at it, the winning streak going like, oh, it wasn't my favorite movie. And they're not necessarily tweeting about it. and They're not getting on Zoom and broadcasting those opinions. Um, so it's possible. But Nomadland just inherently is much more of an underdog story, uh, not just what's on screen, but in terms of it being a, a, a very modest, low budget, independent film, intimate story. Uh, and it's got the narrative of Chloe Zhao of being the first woman of color to win best director and being only the second woman ever of, of you know any ethnicity to win best director. Uh, which is is hard to beat like I because it, it actually does remind me of the Hurt Locker in in that way where the Hurt Locker was this really small movie uh it didn't make a lot of money at the box office of course that's not as much a factor this year um and yet just the 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 swell of support for Catherine Bigelow really pushed that movie to everything else mm. um and any other year any other director that film probably wouldn't have won under other circumstances. Uh, and I think it might be similar here, but I, again, it's hard to tell when you're not, when you're, when, when you're not like, in, like talking to Oscar members, Academy members, like about what they thought and, and hearing their cheers or their booze. <laughs> and Zach, you're our social media manager. You're always on the Twitters and the Facebooks. Do you, are you getting a sense that people are, are over this Nomadland uh, steamroll or, or not? Not at all. I mean, I, like I feel so much enthusiasm for that movie from people. And like, I'll admit, I, you know, when I first saw the movie, I thought it was fantastic. Um, I, I thought it was beautifully made and uh, all the things that you'd want a movie to be. But I also thought, is this really gonna be accessible to Oscar voters in the way that, you know, something like, you know, A Parasite or uh, Green Book, right? For for as different as those movies are, they, they had a lot of uh, audience support, right? Nomadland, when it premiered on Hulu and more people started to see it, 
I just, I heard all of this, you know, just positive admiration for the film, you know, for people who are just stuck at home and, and, and catching up with it for the very first time. It really feels like the movie for right now, you know, we've had such a horrible year uh, where nobody's been able to leave their homes and, and be with their families and, uh, you know, or friends. And, you know, this movie is about connection and empathy. Um, and, you know, I, I think that that really speaks to people right now. Now, uh, the other movie I think that does that is Minari, which um, Marcus, you and I were both predicting that to win early on. Um, the problem is that like Minari is an underdog and people really love it, mm-hmm. but nobody, the people who love Minari don't hate Nomadland. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like that's because when Moonlight and Parasite won, there was this sort of like fatigue about, God, I can't believe La La Land's going to win. Or I can't believe 1917's going to win. Like they're fine, but Moonlight is the one that I love. Parasite's the one that I love. You know, people really do have a lot of admiration and affection for this film. And I think that just, I don't know what the backlash is. They haven't found it yet. I'm sure they're looking for it, but can you even think about what the backlash would be? I have seen a couple of articles, uh, I think one on Vulture. I didn't read it, but I saw the headline as I was scrolling by it, um, talking about how, oh, it lets Amazon off the hook or it's not hard enough on Amazon. Um, I've heard a criticism that that's just like, oh, it's just kind of poverty porn, which I disagree with wholeheartedly. Um, like there, there is a poverty porn contender at this year's Oscars and it's not Nomadland. Um, but yeah, I do think there's a little bit of that, but I, I, I honestly, I don't see that catching on, you know, it, in the larger in the larger sense because because again the film is not pro-capitalism <laughs> so it's like the the amazon thing i you know it's like well maybe if this were a diff- this if this were an expose about a woman working at amazon mm-hmm. maybe but that's just one part of the story not the central focus um so so yeah i i don't i don't see where else it comes from if i was an oscar voter i would put minari at number one i thought it was the better film the more entertaining film i felt a connection to all these characters but I would put Nomadland at like two or three. So, you know, if my Minari vote gets thrown out because of the preferential ballot, Nomadland would be there, you know, right behind it. But as Zach was saying earlier, Nomadland may have enough support that it could win on the first round of votes and nothing, you know, the preferential ballot portion, you know, where they they, uh, kick out the films that didn't get enough votes. Maybe that process won't even happen because Nomadland will just win you know, by 50 plus 1% right away on the first round. I think that's what happened last year with Parasite. You know, um, I don't think it won on the preferential ballot. I think it got the most number one votes as evidenced by the the number of major wins that it got. And Nomadland is a movie that we know it's going to win director. It could win screenplay. It's a, it's at least the front runner there. I, it's the front runner in cinematography. And that's like, don't don't count out Frances McDormand. She could very easily win at BAFTA where Carrie Mulligan is not nominated. The only two people from the Oscars that are up there are her and Vanessa Kirby. I think a lot of people are going with Vanessa Kirby just because she's the homegrown talent, but that doesn't always mean something to them. And especially considering that Nomadland 
is a vastly more popular film with them than Pieces of a Woman is. I wouldn't count her out. And I wouldn't count her out at SAG either because Nomadland's not up for anything else at SAG. If they want to reward this movie with something there, Frances McDormand is their only option. Um, So like with this best actress race as all over the place as it has been, um, I would not discount her chances. I know she's going to win a third um, if she wins best picture because she's a producer, but people don't really know that, you know, like I, I know that some people are probably aware of it, but like, I, I don't know that it's as widely known that Frances McDormand is a producer on this movie and would win an Oscar for it, right? Like they could just be thinking to themselves, I love her performance and I wanted to win something for it. I'm going to vote for her. Like, uh, Well, us three editors are, are kind of boring in our, in our best picture predictions because we have Nomadland at one, Minari at two, Promising Young Woman at three, trial of the chicago seven at four so we all agree there but our experts are are a little bit different um tom o'neill uh gold derby founder is predicting promising young woman to win best picture um tara khan fox tv is predicting the trial of the chicago seven what is your cap Evan Palawi of yahoo is predicting minari um <laughs> she liked parasite from last year uh, nikki novak from Fandango is predicting Minari. And there was one more. Oh, Thelma Adams, one of our Gold Derby um, contributors is predicting Mank. So there is a lot of fluidity in the experts. They are more kind of over all over the place than us editors are. Of, so of those, which editor, which expert do you think is completely crazy? <laughs> uh, um, honestly, I, I, I wouldn't say crazy, but I'd say Mank is... Uh, vanishingly unlikely um you know just like it got the director nomination but actually you know in the era of the preferential ballot missing in screenplay is worse than missing in director like more movies like no movie has missed screenplay and won best picture uh since since the oscars expanded in fact no movies missed screenplay and won best picture since titanic uh while we've had a couple of films win best picture without director nominations so i think mank is out um, Mank is probably going to win nothing, but I'd say it's still looking safe for production design. We'll see what the guild says. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd say Mank is probably the least likely of, of those predictions. Mm-hmm. What about Trial? Trial still has a shot. Yeah, I mean, I guess if it wins SAG Ensemble um, next Sunday, yeah. it's possible. but I think Minari is going to win that, and hence why it's my number two. Um, I mean, trial, the the problem with trial is that it is also fading, Um, you know, losing the PGA, losing the WGA. The only thing it's won so far is the Globe for best screenplay, but they love Aaron Sorkin there much the same way that they love Quentin Tarantino. Remember Tarantino won the Globe for screenwriting uh, last year for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and did not win uh, the Oscar eventually. He lost to Bong Joon-ho for Parasite. so I, I feel like we well, should say like the person who might, the people who might be the most spot on are the folks picking Minari. And also there is something to what our founder Tom O'Neill is saying with Promising Young Woman 
in that it is a movie with a lot of passionate support. Mm-hmm. It's a movie that we all think is going to win screenplay and is a the front runner as of right now for best actress, although that can change. So those two combined could signal a best picture win for this movie. Um, but I, I, I feel like if it's just a straight number one vote, Nomadland's going to beat Promising Young Woman, right? It just has more of the broad general support. Um, Promising Young Woman, I don't know how well it performs on a preferential ballot um, because there might be a few Academy members who are just like, you know, this is uh, not my cup of tea, let's say. (laughs) Um, Obviously, it got enough support to be one of the only films to get nominations in all of those key areas, acting, directing, writing, editing that we look at. Um, But, you know, I mean, it's my number three. I, it wouldn't surprise me. But um, yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's so boring talking about Best Picture these days because we all just, yeah. we think it's a well, movie that talk- every, it's going to be a movie that everybody loves, right? So Let's talk about something exciting and, and this could be our last category uh, before we wrap up. Uh, there was an upset at PGA for documentary feature. A lot of people at Gold Derby had time winning, but instead <clears throat> it was My Octopus Teacher. And now when I'm looking at the, uh, the Gold Derby odds for this category, Time is still winning at, you know, for the Oscars, according to our predictions. My Octopus Teacher is second, Collective is third, Crip Camp is fourth, and The Mole Agent is fifth. For the record, I checked those odds yesterday. My Octopus Teacher was third yesterday, <laughs> so okay. it's already moving up. And I'm one of the reasons, because I moved it up in my predictions so after I. it won. And I actually watched it last night. I hadn't seen it before. And I, I really enjoyed My Octopus Teacher. Um, so what does this mean for the Oscars? Because I mean, it's not always that these two match up, the PGA and the Oscars in this specific category. And in, in fact, Daniel, I think you just wrote about this, right? Yeah, I just wrote about this uh, because it was starting to look to me like, uh, you know, once it won the Producers Guild Award, I was like, oh, this is gonna be the feel good movie that beats the kind of darker or more heavy hitting uh, uh, expose kind of subjects. Uh, You know, time is all about, you know, uh, the justice system and incarceration. Collective is about a deadly fire and corruption. And, you know, those two films that are also in the top three are so dark and likely might appeal to similar voters uh, that this could be like the year 20 feet from stardom beat uh, the act of killing. And that was the year the act of killing was a a hugely critically acclaimed film. I adored that film. It is bleak as hell. Uh, So 20 feet from stardom, in hindsight, not surprised that it won. Um, And I actually went back, uh, you know, the PGA and the Oscar don't always match up uh, for best documentary, but it's usually because the winner at PGA isn't even nominated at the Oscars. When the winner at PGA is nominated at the Oscars, it has won every time. Uh, uh, the last time it didn't was uh, Sicko, Michael Moore Sicko in 2007, that's 13 years ago. So the only two Oscar nominees that were up for PGA, I think it was the only two, were that and time. 
Um, so my octopus teacher winning that and my octopus teacher having other guild nominations that are yet to be uh, cited and time I don't think does. Uh, it makes me think, yeah, this is this might be my octopus teacher. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the fact is that there was no front runner in this category until last night. I know that time was the default front runner, mm-hmm. um, but that was always a weird front runner. I think it's a, a beautiful piece of art, um, but those kinds of documentaries don't tend to win. Like Danny said, with the act of killing, mm-hmm. or I, I, it reminded me a lot of something um, like I Am Not Your Negro um, from 2016, where it was more just a kind of a mood piece of a sort of meditation on, um, on race in America, um, whereas something, you know, it, it lost to OJ Made in America, right? Uh, which was this more kind of expansive audience crowd pleaser uh, type thing. Um, it's so funny because I had watched My Octopus Teacher Tuesday night, so right before the PGAs. And um, I remember thinking, wow, you know, this is a really beautifully made um, emotional film. Uh, this could be a surprise winner. <laughs> sure enough, uh, it was. I think and that Riley like, Riley Chow predicted it at the PGA, so he gets credit. Yeah. He got a hundred percent. I yeah. was so close to switching to it. I, I moved it up to second place, but yeah. I'm like, I didn't want to because because time was still like the favorite in terms of you know where our odds were. So I'm like, I didn't want to be the knucklehead who changes it and gets it wrong, and then I I lose a point basically to everyone else's average who got it right. Uh, so I could have had 10 for 10, but I, 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 I chickened out. I've had it ranked second. <laughs> but I think now rank it first because um, yeah. it's, you know, it reminds me a lot of Free Solo from, I think that was two years ago. Um, yes. Free Solo was this movie that um, had this incredible um, uh, cinematography of, you know, like going up that, mountain and you know the cameras are dangling all over the place and it was so wide and expansive and my octopus teacher has a similar kind of thing where it's like the underwater photography in that movie is mind-blowing you know it's so beautiful to look at it's like there's a danger element too between the two like i mean i don't want to spoil my octopus teacher but there are sharks (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's like he's like this close to the sharks and you know Mm -hmm. i mean obviously he's got different lenses on the camera but you know it's too close to comfort for those of us who uh, grew up uh, afraid of sharks because of watching Jaws. Um, you know, I think that it's just like, it, it's got that perfect combination of emotion and scope mm-hmm. that voters in this category, well, voters in the Academy love in this category. Um, so I, I, I think this is an easy front runner now. Um, and all the films nominated, I should say, are really great in their own ways. Um, You're right, four it, of the five are really great. <laughs> <laughs> Marcus isn't gonna say which one he didn't like because we, we, we yeah. keep that to ourselves. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but did you have anything else or, or should we tease what we're gonna do next week? I think we've covered it. Um, yeah, let's talk about what we're gonna do next week. So we're, the SAG Awards are coming up on April 4th. So we are going to do a slugfest where we're going to predict all of those categories, film, TV, stunts. Let's do stunts. Um, so yeah, that will be um, our little slugfest for, I guess, the first week of April. Um, but yeah, thanks everyone for watching and go make your predictions. Update your Oscar predictions. Now that we know WGA 
we know PGA, you're probably going to make some changes, put some things, you know, change your rankings around and um, comment down in the message at, in the comments sections to tell us how smart or how dumb we are about some of our predictions. Mostly how smart. <laughs> and before we go, um, and speaking of updated predictions, we just want to let all of you know who are watching. Um, because SAG voting ends on Tuesday and they're going to pre-record that program, um, we don't want to risk any kind of spoilers coming out and people may be using that to uh, change their predictions. So the last day that you can make your SAG predictions are this coming Tuesday, which is March 30th, March 30th. Yes, um, I had to check my calendar. Um, so make sure you make your predictions for that uh, before the Prediction Center closes down. Thank you all for watching.